On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Tesla held their annual shareholders meeting this week, and I've got highlights and analysis of what Elon and the team discussed. Plus, Elon attends the video game industry's annual trade show, the Electronic Entertainment Expo, aka E3, which is where I happened to be last week for my day job, so worlds collided. I've got a couple clips from his appearance there, too. Stay tuned. Howdy friends, Ryan McCaffrey with you for episode 202 of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast for June 9th, 2019. 202, that is a palindrome. I love those. Uh, To my left, as always, Daisy the Boxer Puppy. She is fast asleep already. Usually she doesn't fall asleep till about halfway through the show. She's out cold already, but she looks extremely comfortable. I I think I will, uh, I'll be, I'll be in that same boat, hopefully passed out sleeping in about two and a half hours after this is done, but... I tell you, I had a uh, busy week this week. I was down in Los Angeles at E3, the Electronic Entertainment Expo. That's the video game industry's annual trade show. It's basically our Super Bowl. It's where everybody makes big announcements, shows off new games. And I have to say, uh, this Elon Musk guy, you know, you do do one hour-long interview with a a world-famous billionaire, and suddenly he starts following you around. Elon came to E3. No, it was. Uh, I have to say, it was it was quite a surprise when I uh, got to E3, and I think the first or second day, not of the show, but of of while I was there, I get this email that says, "Join, a, watch the conversation of Elon Musk in conversation with Todd Howard from who's the creative force." At Bethesda Game Studios, they're the folks responsible for the Elder Scrolls series, so Oblivion, Skyrim, etc., as well as the Fallout series. So it's like, wait, what? What is this? This is happening? So uh, I gotta, I have to see this. This is going to be cool. It happened to be hosted by someone I know fairly well, Jeff Keeley, and Jeff was kind enough to save me a seat, so I went. I attended the conversation, and I have to say the... The bizarre cosmic coincidence, for me, this matters to literally no one else but me, but just the fact that the last two major interviews that I've done have been with Todd Howard and Elon Musk. You know, Elon, I guess, was what, about three weeks ago now? Two two and change, two and a half. And the week before I interviewed Elon, I was out in Maryland, which is where Bethesda's based, and I interviewed Todd Howard. That interview's up on IGN uh, and also the unfiltered podcast feed if you're curious to hear it, if you're a video game fan. But yeah, I just, I'm like sitting there going, I know all three of those guys. How many how many people in this audience can claim that they know everybody up there? But yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting hearing Elon talk about video games. It was really fun to to hear that, it's a topic he doesn't usually cover. I had a couple of video game questions queued up for him with my interview, but I just never got there. You know, I just and I also knew that people would probably not want to hear that from me. You know, the people want to hear about car stuff and Tesla stuff, so never quite got to my video game questions. So it was fun to hear Elon talk about games a little bit in this. I've got a couple of clips from that later in the show. But first, this week is dominated by the big event of the week, 
the Tesla annual shareholders meeting. So let's do that right now. Let's get started. Tesla holding their annual shareholders meeting in Mountain View, California. The house was packed. I wasn't able to watch it live. I had to watch the live stream, uh, the, the, the video on YouTube later. I was, again, down in L.A., busy all week, so I always try to watch them live. It's always fun to, to watch live. But anyway, uh, it, the, the, the house was absolutely packed with Tesla owners who each obviously have at least one share of stock. You actually, in order to attend that meeting, you have to prove you own the stock in order to get in the door. So I've never gone, but... I feel like I should just buy a share just so I could go next year. That would be really fun to be in there. It seemed like there was a really good energy in the room. Everybody in there was pro-Tesla, was was hashtag Team Tesla. And even out front, it was fun too. The red Roadster prototype was out front. The, the Roadster 2020 was out there. And the Model Y prototype was also there next to it except it was a red one, a multi-coat red one, instead of the blue one that we saw at the Model Y unveiling. Now, there were two publicly displayed Model Ys, uh, actually technically three. There was a third one outside, which was an even earlier, it was like totally just a mock-up. It was just like a physical, the shape of it, and I don't know what it was made out of, wood or some sort of clay or what, but... But anyway, the the two sort of finished looking prototypes at the Model Y event were the was the actual working prototype, the blue one, and then there was a white rolling mule. So it was just, you know, a body over a fake nothing. So, you know, it looks real from far away, and then you get up close and everyone's like, wait, there's no interior in that thing. It's not real. But yeah, so we've seen it in white, we've seen it in blue, and now seeing it in multi-coat red, and it had uh black wheels on it, the, you know, onyx-colored wheels that Tesla does on the X, but of course, the they're the same wheels that are on the 3, except they were, again, they were black, and yeah, it's it looks real nice and red, for sure, that multi-coat red serves Tesla and all the Teslas very, very well, and so, you know, I had to, I had to wonder, like, oh, is this, did they repaint the blue prototype, or is this a new prototype, at least new to the public? And I would lean toward it being a new one, just because uh, it would seem like a lot of trouble to repaint one. But I guess maybe it's even more trouble and more expensive to build another prototype. So maybe it is just repainted. But in any case, uh, the people attending that event, although, of course, you can see pictures online, you can now now see what a Model Y looks like in multi-coat red. So anyway, the shareholder event was a long one. It was nearly two hours in total. There was, uh, at the beginning, company business. Nothing exciting there. I'm not going to recap or play any clips there. And then there was a presentation from Elon. I've got plenty of clips from that. And then a Q&A from shareholders uh, online who couldn't be there in person that, that they had had their question upvoted uh, on, a, on a service online. So the most upvoted stuff got asked during the presentation. And then finally a Q&A of people attending in the room. So I've got highlights of all of that. Let's get started here with Elon uh, giving an overview on how the Model 3 is doing. Model 3, last four quarters, is uh, actually selling, outselling all competitors combined uh, in the US. <laughs> so all of them. Um, it, 
It's the highest revenue car uh, in the US and best in class uh, performance. Um, and it's actually the best selling car by revenue um, of including high volume cars like the Toyota Camry and Honda Accord. So uh, the, the dollar sales. Yeah, I think most people uh, aren't aware of this. Uh, but uh, we're about the fourth best selling by numbers, but the uh, highest selling by revenue over the past year of any, any car in the US. Um, so that's uh, remarkable that an electric vehicle is the best selling, the highest revenue car in, in, the, in the country. I think a lot, you know, t 10 years ago, nobody would have believed it. Um, and th thanks to the, the hard work of the, the Tesla team, this is, what, this is a result, it's great. When you hear that, to me, it is simply remarkable. If you rewind the clock 10 years, heck, rewind five years, that seems like an insane notion. I mean, I've talked before about this, I think mostly in the super early episodes of this podcast, I think, but I've talked before about how, in my opinion, the Model S basically had to be a total home run or else Tesla was going to have no chance, the car, the Model S was going to have no chance. Well, I think the Model 3 was arguably in the same position. It was a bet-the-company moment, as Elon has said before. And again, I think it really had to be a home run, or else the company might die. And guess what? The Model 3 absolutely has been a home run. Best of all, though, we're not even close to seeing the Model 3 at the peak of its powers. There is still so much upside with regard to the sales potential of that car. I think, you know, word is only just beginning to spread, really. So nothing but good news for the Model 3. How about the Model 3 as it pertains to its direct competition, Elon Musk? And uh, as I said, in, in class, uh, the Model 3 is outselling the Mercedes C-Class, the BMW 3 Series, the Audi A4 S4, and the Lexus combined. <laughs> that, that's... That's, that's in, uh, in units. The, the difference is higher in, in, in uh, dollar, dollars. So I know the first clip I played is arguably more impressive than that one was with regard to the success of the three in the marketplace. But to me, this just calls back to another thing that I've talked about before, and that is Tesla eating the lunch of their competitors. The Model S did it to the Mercedes S-Class, the Audi A7, A8, and the 7 Series BMW. We've, we've watched those numbers come in quarter over quarter, and just it, it, it happened. You just watched it happen in real time. The Model X admittedly hasn't quite done that. It's more just snacked on the competitors' lunches, but it's up there. But here goes the Model 3, again, just wolfing down the lunch of its competition. Hopefully the Model Y is going to be able to do the same thing in its segment in 2021 when it hits volume production. Now here's Elon giving a little update, talking about the new Model S and Model X, the, the little technical refresh that was done recently. Um, so the, the new Model S is a 370-mile range. And uh, you can go, uh, we actually did this uh, with the Motor Trend. They drove nonstop from um, 
Bay Area to LA. So it was, uh, admittedly, that was downhill, uh, sort of. <laughs> not really. <laughs> it feels downhill, but it's not. Um, so, but on a single charge to go from uh, the Bay Area to LA uh, is pretty, pretty wild for uh, any, any car, and especially a uh, full-size uh, sedan. Um, and then the, the new Model X range is 325 miles, despite it being a, a large SUV. Uh, it's worth noting that uh, no car has exceeded, no electric car has exceeded the range of the, f the first Model S that we came out with in 2012. So, so. And, um, yeah. <laughs> Resisting the temptation to pick on competitors, I will not do that. Um, but the, uh, it's, 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 a little, it's, it's a testament to the Tesla engineering team uh, to be able to uh, have made a car seven years ago that has still not been exceeded in range. And now to have a car that's uh, 370 miles um, and uh, with steady improvements that are likely to occur over the next few years. It won't be long before we have a 400-mile range car. So did you catch the key thing that Elon said there? He said, it won't be long before we have a 400-mile range car. So that may have been a cryptic hint, if indeed the rumors I talked about last week were true about it coming real soon. But Elon being Elon, he may also have just been speaking pretty literally that at some point in the next few years, there will be a 400 mile Model S. So I wouldn't necessarily look too deeply into that one, but I did find it interesting that he mentioned it. All right, how about Q2, the quarter that is just wrapping up here in the next two weeks? What does Elon Musk have to say about how that is looking? So um, we're actually doing, doing well and uh, we, we have a decent shot at uh, a record quarter. Um, on every level. Um, for, if not, it's going to be very close, but, it, but we've got a shot at a record quarter. Um, and 90% of orders are coming from non-reservation holders, so these are our new customers. I wonder what that means for profitability this quarter, because offhand you would think, well, yeah, if they're going to be close to a record quarter, that definitely means they're going to be profitable. But there are other factors to consider, such as CapEx spending, maybe on Model Y, any debts that they might need to repay this quarter, etc. But remember, too, we've been told by Elon before, back in Q1, that Q2 would probably be a quarter that ended in the red for Tesla. So maybe that won't be the case now? It'd be great for Tesla if they can end up profitable this quarter. We should find out in early August. August, because uh, the delivery numbers for the quarter should come in right at the beginning of, the, of July, right after the quarter ends, but they may very well not announce their actual financials until the shareholder letter comes out on the day of the earnings call, which is likely to be in early August. Uh, Elon continued his presentation talking about the autonomy day from not too long ago, and he gives a little update on the progress of full self-driving. You know, the, the, you'll still need to supervise the autonomy, uh, but it should be able to go from uh, your, your garage to your parking space at work without intervention. Um, so then, then we'll, we'll obviously put on billions of miles uh, of, of testing, 
Um, and then I think probably sometime next year, uh, you'll be able to have the car be autonomous without supervision. And then sometime thereafter, we'll be able to convince invest, uh, uh, to, uh, uh, regulators that this, uh, the autonomy is safe enough uh, that to, the car could actually go around with uh, no one in it. So, um, and, and it's really, the, the critical elements for that are having billions of miles of testing, um, ultimately tens of billions of miles. So having a huge fleet, uh, having a, a very powerful uh, AI inference engine, and that's the Tesla uh, full self-driving computer, and, um, and then having the sensors in the car that, that are necessary for uh, the, the car to drive, like being cameras in all directions, radar, uh, ultrasonics, uh, a good uh, IMU, um, GPS, that kind of thing. So um, I think we've, we've laid the, the groundwork here for a fleet that essentially every car made since October 16 is capable of full autonomy in our view, with a replacement of the computer alone. So you just need to switch out the computer. Uh, like a lot of people were, were puzzled as to how could I say that we would have like, you know, a million robo-taxis by the end of next year. And it's, it's, if you sum up the vehicles made since October 16, and, uh, and essentially switch out the computers for the ones that uh, were made after the full self-driving computer a few months ago, that we will have a million cars that are capable of self-driving. We'll still need uh, regulatory approval, uh, but the capability will be there. Um, and this, this massively increases the value of the car. So, in fact, I think it's um, basically financially insane to buy anything except an electric car that is, that is upgradable to autonomy. Um, it's just nuts. Um, you can see one country after another is putting dates on banning gasoline and diesel cars, uh, and the, the 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 environmental pressure to move away from fossil fuels is getting stronger and stronger. So it's just it's just basically mad to buy a fossil fuel powered car at this point um, because its re its, its long term resale value will be less and less. Um, and then it's also important to buy a car that is. Uh, upgradable at least to full self-driving, um, because a, a car that that cannot uh, do self-driving will also be not worth not very much. Um, I, you know, I've made this comment before, but like essentially, um, it, if if you if you buy a gasoline car that's not full self-driving, this is like riding a horse and using a flip phone. I'm like, oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> not wise. So, um, you know, it's really, it, it takes us a bit of time to educate uh, consumers about this, but I think people are starting to get it. Um, and, like, you know, a car is a, a major investment for most people. Um, it's, it's often their uh, most valuable asset. And if, if you're going to make a choice about your most valuable asset, you want to look towards the future and say, where are we headed? Clearly, we're headed towards electrification. Clearly, we're headed towards autonomy. And so it, that's the kind of car you want to get. <laughs> so I think, I think this is, people are starting to, to realize this.
I played this clip because Elon was just crystal clear here, more so than before, about what full self-driving is going to be at first. It made me wonder if somebody in Tesla told him then he needed to message it more clearly because he was explicitly clear right here. He said, you will not be falling asleep in the car anytime soon while it drives itself. And it's going to take a while for Tesla to be able to get regulatory approval for full self-driving. All right, how about an update on the Model Y? Then with the Model Y, um, the, the, this is the, the biggest uh, uh, segment of vehicles in in the world is the uh, mid-sized SUV. It's uh, two and a half times bigger than the Model 3 market. And so we, th we think probably demand for the Model Y will be greater than the uh, S3 and X combined. Um, and um, we put a lot of effort into uh, the efficiency of the car, um, getting incredibly low drag coefficient. Um, and uh, I think we, we might be able to get the drag coefficient to actually uh, lower than the three, which will be is, is, is quite unusual. Um, and the, the car has a, a lot of room inside. Uh, it, it's, um, I think, like a good sense of design or, or a good design principle is if, if the car looks bigger um, on, it feels bigger on the inside than it looks on the outside. That is a that is a good design. Um, so this, this car is actually quite big on the inside. And then we, we expect to hit volume production towards the end of next year. Um, internally, we're, we're aiming for, for sooner than that, uh, but we want to have some, some margin on, on that timing. I'm really, really glad that Elon mentioned that they're aiming to get the Model Y out sooner, but not making any promises to that effect in case anything goes sideways. I mean, I guess it maybe it would have been even better if Elon simply hadn't mentioned the whole we're trying to go earlier than that at all. <laughs> and then if the, the Model Y ended up shipping a bit earlier than that announced fall 2020 window, then people would have been super pleasantly surprised. But he's an honest guy, and so he was honest. So fingers crossed that all goes well and Tesla can start getting Model Ys out in you know maybe the, the mid to late summer rather than the fall of next year. Gigafactory. Uh, this is an interesting clip. This is Elon and J.B. Straubel talking about the origin story of the Gigafactory. Yeah, I think it'd be good to, you know, maybe you talk about the Gigafactory and, um, you know, I remember when we were, like, doing the calculations uh, for battery capacity and we're like, uh, we need more batteries than all of Earth is currently producing. Um, so it's unless we build this thing, uh, it's not going to happen. Um, so, yeah, I mean, maybe you tell the story. Um, sure. Well, yeah. uh, good to see everyone. Hello. Um, it, yeah, it, it was a pretty crazy story, and um, uh, Elon and I were just talking about it recently, and it's sort of amazing how some really simple kind of napkin math could lead to such a, a kind of outrageous, you know, result. Um, I mean, as you just said, you know, we, we basically did the, the quick math and looked at, okay, we're going to build, you know, so many hundred thousand cars per year and this many kilowatt hours per car, you know, therefore, therefore, you know, 35 gigawatt hours of, of cells per year. Well, that's a huge number, and it was actually more than the entire world was producing for all applications, cell phones, computers, cars, everything, um, just a few years before that. 
So you know, that, that was what kind of shocked us and said, wow, we, we, you know, this isn't going to work unless we build an entire new facility to, to solve this ourselves. Yeah, if we're probably not going to get all the battery factories in the world, so therefore we better build this. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, the crazy thing is this, this was basically, I think, five slides. Um, and uh, we showed a picture of a, of a factory in the hills um, and, and said to investors, uh, we need money to build this thing. Uh, and they gave us the money, which was cool. Um, <laughs> And, uh, and we built it. Yeah, yeah, we built it. And, and it happened. There it is, right there. It's really giant, um, and it's getting bigger. So, um, you know, we're, we have uh, about uh, 35 gigawatt hours of, of capacity potential uh, at Giga right now, um, and then we're about sort of 70 or 80 percent of, of that capacity has been realized. So, uh, it, uh, I think there was a bit of confusion earlier this year because uh, uh, Panasonic said there was 35, and there's technically yes, but it was, it's not 35 at max capacity yet. Uh, but it will be, um, probably, I don't know, end of this year or next, or early next. So, um, and then um, it's, it's also lowest cost per kilowatt hour. Uh, it's half of all global EV battery production. So if you add up all the EV, all electric vehicles in the world, um, all the batteries that they use, uh, that's approximately equal to what we make at the Gigafactory. Good to hear from JB. He seems to be a little bit more of a of a private person and not quite as as eager to to jump out on stage and and talk about this kind of stuff. So it's nice to hear from him. I really enjoyed that that uh, Gigafactory origin story. They just, as you heard, they just went to first principles, which is something we hear Elon does a lot. He just did the napkin math of what it would require in order to achieve their goals. Then they went out and did it. And it's, I know this, this may sound cheesy, but I, I really mean this. You know, it, it's a reminder when you kind of listen to that. To me, it's a reminder to all of us in our own lives. Don't let the size and scope of your goals deter you. Break down the problem and solve it step by step. I mean, that's simple as that. It's just good, it's a good little reminder for all of us. While we're on the topic of gigafactories, how about an update on the one in Shanghai? So, um, and then we're, we're making good progress on the gigafactory in Shanghai. Um, if you've watched the progress online, uh, it, it gets followed with in excruciating detail. Um, <laughs> um, I think the number of drones flying over the factory is pretty nutty. We need air traffic control. Um, so, uh, but, but the, the shell of the building is, is basically done at this point. Um, it's, it's, I think this might be the, it's the fastest large factory construction that I've ever seen. Um, and maybe there's something faster, but I, I'm not aware of it because this is, is amazing. Um, and we're already installing a lot of the factory equipment, the stamping machines. Um, we're installing the paint shop um, and uh, the you know, battery module lines and that kind of thing. So. Uh, this will be uh, obviously extremely important to our future because uh, China is the, is the largest uh, electric car market in the world. Um, and to, to date, we um, have, have had to pay import duties, uh, sometimes quite significant ones, um, ranging from 15 to 40 percent, uh, which, um, and, and we did not have access to um, local incentives because th those are only if you make the car in China. Um, now, the, the local incentives are going away. I think approximately when our factory starts, um, 
I think it's a coincidence, but, um, but but at least we will not have the cost of the import duties, and uh, we will uh, it will it will cost less to make the car in in China, so we'll be able to have a more affordable uh, car for the the China market. So this is extremely important to Tesla's future. Elon's not kidding. It really is astounding how quickly the Shanghai Gigafactory construction project has gone. Again, he's not exaggerating at all. If you've not seen it, just look it up on Google or on YouTube. I mean, the the Nevada Gigafactory, Gigafactory 1, went up, in my recollection, it went up pretty quickly, or at least it was enough of it was up that it was operational pretty quickly. But this thing, this one feels like it's going up almost overnight. I mean, it's just awesome to see. And, you know, Tesla's already taking orders, as I think I mentioned on last week's show. They're taking orders in China for Chinese-produced Model 3s that will cost less. So just a great, great sign, awesome progress happening. But we're not done there. What about another Gigafactory in Europe? We've heard about that one here and there over the, the months and years. Here's Elon with an update on a European Gigafactory. Gigafactory Europe. Uh, as you can see, we've made great progress here. <laughs> um, we, we just put this picture in like literally five minutes ago. <laughs> deep planning here. This is not at the actual place that it will be. <laughs> this is a generic picture of the of Europe. People are going to try and reverse engineer exactly where that picture. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure people could figure it out. Beautiful um, scene. Yeah, lovely. Um, factory there. I think it may be near Hamburg or something, um, but uh, we're, we're still um, looking at what the right place is to put uh, Gigafactory Europe. Um, hopefully, we'll make that decision towards the end of this year, um, and and it also makes sense to have a car factory at least on each continent. Uh, this is a wise wise move. Um, we will continue to expand, I think, uh, our activity in in the U.S., but um, ha- having to not. Uh, Pay tariffs and 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 have the really long uh, delivery chain and high transport costs uh, will make the cars a lot more affordable to people in Europe and in China. So um, yeah, we're looking forward to making a decision on this, uh, hopefully towards the end of this year. Let me give you a little bit of context for that clip. He's joking in the beginning because they put up a slide that just showed a stock photo of a green pasture somewhere in Europe. It had nothing to do with any site that Tesla's picked out because they haven't picked one out yet. But, you know, I, I wonder, real quick, I wonder what he meant by expanding activity in the U.S. Did you catch that a little bit? I mean, I, I would think it's not going to mean another gigafactory in the U.S., but I guess I'm not quite sure. Now, as for Europe, it certainly would make sense to put it in somewhere fairly centrally located in Western Europe, for me, I feel like Germany is is the best choice. It, it is centrally located. It's a, just a tremendous country, beautiful country, a lot of skilled automotive talent there. So that would get my vote. Granted, I know nothing. I'm not. <laughs> I'm the. I'm probably the last guy that Tesla would ever ask for for uh, an opinion on it. But that's my opinion. I feel like Germany would be a good place for the next Gigafactory. Collision repair. That is a big topic of conversation in the Tesla community. Here's Elon addressing that. And, and, and we're adding things like bumper repair and mine like collision repair. So, um, you know, if I look at the things that um, 
most trouble customers. It's like things like uh, collision repair taking an eternity. Um, <laughs> and, and then a third party body shop ch charging an arm and a leg uh, after taking an eternity. So um, we're, we're moving a lot of the, the body repair uh, in-house at Tesla. Um, and, um, and and then even providing it on on mobile service, um, and we we just did our first uh, uh, bumper replacement um, from from mobile service van. So, like typically, collision repair can can take weeks or months. In this case, it took less than an hour. Boy, if Tesla can successfully implement body and collision repair into their mobile service fleet, that would be astounding. I mean. That, so that clip right there is probably music to the ears of anybody who has had the misfortune of either going through it right now or having gone through it. You know, I, I have to figure, of course, I keep close tabs on everything in the world of Tesla because I love it and I do this podcast. So to me, the, the repair situation is probably the big millstone that hangs around the necks of Tesla owners that they just want that weight lifted and for it to not be a problem if indeed something happens. So, boy, I would sure love to see Tesla solve this. Uh, solving battery advancement could be Maxwell Technologies. That was asked about here, and here is Elon Musk speaking to Maxwell. Uh, what aspects of battery production will integration Maxwell, Maxwell have? Um, we think this is really quite strategic. Um, but we'll leave the details of this to um, kind of the battery and powertrain investor day. Um, this is uh, there's some very important technologies there that I think will have a, a big effect on the cost and, and scaling of cell production, uh, both reducing the, the cost and reducing the capital required to scale uh, cell production. Okay, here we go. For those of you wanting to hear about how that Maxwell acquisition is going to affect Tesla, you get a teaser from Elon there, and then the confirmation that Tesla's going to do a battery and powertrain investor day sometime in the next several months or by the end of the year. So expect when that happens, a ludicrously detailed technical deep dive on Maxwell and Tesla's battery and powertrain technology, similar to the, the super awesome, super technical deep dive that we got about full self-driving at the autonomy day. Here's a quick clip on Tesla insurance and the progress being made there. Then what uh, status of Tesla insurance? Uh, we're pretty close to being able to release that. Um, we have a small acquisition that we need to complete um, and a uh, bit of software to write, but it won't be long before we release that. So yeah, just a very, very quick update on the status of Tesla insurance, which remember Elon had said would probably roll out in, I think it was supposed to be in May. So it's imminent. Stay tuned. As soon as there are details, I will get them to you. Here's an interesting topic. This was a great question uh, about Starlink and how SpaceX's new uh, internet satellite array could be, or whether it could be utilized in the Tesla vehicle fleet. So, great question for Elon, and here is his answer. I think we would have to have a different antenna for Starlink, because the Starlink antenna is, uh, it's, it's, I think it's actually probably the most advanced phased array antenna in the world, including military. Um, but it's, uh, 
It's about the size of a medium pizza. So it would be fine for trucks and RVs and airplanes um, and any kind of uh, like a house or a business or something like that, but it would look a little odd on the roof of a sedan. Um, <laughs> so I think but we could make a smaller antenna and, and maybe use it. Um, but I think, I think most likely we would continue to re rely on the cellular networks. Um, the, the value of Starlink, the main value of Starlink, is providing a low latency, high bandwidth access to uh, sparse and, and, and moderately sparse, uh, like, like relatively low density areas. Um, so you're like uh, basically rural or semi-rural areas, uh, places that don't have connectivity right now. Um, so I think it's it's like quite quite a great system, but it's you know it's, it's probably able to serve like three to five percent of people in the world. Now that's a lot of people because of all the people in the world, but um, but it's 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 not actually not ideal for high density cities. Um, it, it's really to to serve the the the, the, the unserved or poorly served is what Starlink's about. Again, great question there. This was one of the questions that got the most upvotes by shareholders online. And you got a really interesting answer from Elon to that. So it's confirmation that the cars will stick to the cellular network for the foreseeable future. And a quick, we're winding down here, but a quick update on the robo-taxi at the shareholder meeting. Here it is. What of an update for like rideshare? I guess like, so we could kind of practice a rideshare fleet uh, with, uh, with people, and then um, that would be good for figuring out things for the robo-taxi fleet in the future. Um, so, I mean, this might, this might make sense. Um, I mean, we'll probably do something like this, probably makes sense. So it sounds like you'd be able to be basically an Uber driver, but in your Tesla and on the Tesla network, and if you're willing to do that, you'll be able to participate in some kind of beta test. Again, that's how I interpreted it. Feel free to call in or write me and correct me if, uh, if I'm just totally missing the, the, uh, the point on that one. But yeah, it sounds like some sort of kind of beta test before the Tesla network becomes a fully autonomous one. So if indeed that happens, I cannot wait to hear from those of you who try it out, either as drivers or passengers, on the Ride the Lightning hotline, so we'll keep an eye on that. A few more clips here. This one, uh, one from the audience. So we go to the audience Q&A, and a couple people brought this up, this first gentleman talking about the, just asking Elon how he feels about the, the persistent narrative uh, that's pushed in the media about, you know, just all the disinformation and fear, uncertainty, and doubt that is constantly peddled in, in uh, various stories and various sources online. No, it's true, true what you say. Um, it's, it's, it's very distressing, it makes me sad. Um, but I'm not sure what, <laughs> yeah, you know what to do about it. Um, we, we do provide a rebuttal, um, but uh, that, that is then, you know, typically buried at like seven paragraphs down. Um, and, uh, if, if it's there at all. Um, but so, some of these things are just incredibly crazy. Um, you know, it's, 
at least 10 times more likely for a gasoline car or a combustion engine car. It's in the name. <laughs> I mean, come on. It has highly flammable fluid. It's designed to burn. Um, and uh, there's, there's about 200,000 gasoline car fires per year in the U.S. alone. Um, and, um, you, you know, uh, there are, it's extremely rare for, for, for a Tesla car to catch fire. And if it does, it, it's, it's just incredibly rare. And it's used due to some extenuating circumstances. It's very slow. Um, and, and it's uh, almost never harmful. Um, I mean, would you rather have like a gasoline-powered cell phone or a battery-powered cell phone? I mean, it was like a no-brainer, you know? In my humble opinion, all we can really do individually is keep doing what we're already doing. Giving test rides, answering questions to anybody that asks, whether it's friends, family, coworkers, or strangers at the, at the grocery store, you know, in the parking lot. Just keep showing people the car. And, you know, hey, because the, the reality is, when you go for a drive in a, in a Tesla, particularly if you're driving, if you get a test drive, you just, you just get it. I mean, that's, that was my experience, and that's been the experience of a lot of people that I've spoken with. And I like here that Elon seems to have a pretty healthy attitude about the whole thing, all things considered. I mean, you know, he does say that, that uh, it, it's distressing and it makes him sad, but he doesn't seem to be spending too much time worrying about it, which, which, is, uh, which is reassuring as a Tesla owner and someone that wants Elon to be thinking about awesome things like making great products and making them better and, and advancing the, the company's mission. Two more clips from this event. Tesla in India. Is it happening? When's it happening? Here you go from Elon Musk. I, you know, I hope, I hope soon uh, that there's um, the, the, the regulatory environment or, or like the rules for importing to India are kind of complicated uh, or, or yeah, um, we definitely want to come to India. <laughs> um, so, um, but, but there, there, there are like complicated rules around like the uh, tariffs for importing and then um, what you're allowed to do as uh, um, for for sales and service, um, and you know we're 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 currently um, we're currently able to sell uh, as many cars as we can make, um, and so the adding additional complexity is, is not uh, required right now. Um, but I think we really want to really want to come to India. Uh, as soon as we as soon as we can, so um, I, I I think I'll be really surprised if we're not there by next year. I think that's at least next year. I think yeah. So. Well, I'm not sure if I have any listeners in India, but regardless, this is really good to hear because India is a huge potential market, and it is one of the fastest growing economies in the world. And yes, I looked that up to make sure. It would be huge. It would be really big for Tesla to be able to enter that market. So that appears to be, you know, it's it's not necessarily at the top of their priority list from what you could infer from Elon's words there, but, you know, it's, it's on their list. They are going to get there. As for the final clip, in fact, this is the final question. This is the end of the shareholder meeting. You hear this. And you think, oh man, you're just we're, we're going to end on this goofy on this goof note that's you know not a real question. 
But wait to see, wait to hear what Elon says. I have a really exciting question. Will Tesla make a quad cars, and if so, when? Do you mean like a, like a quad bike or something? Uh, what do we call quad car? Aquatic car is in oh, aquatic. boat or submarine. That's oh, a car. oh, I see. Okay. Do you mean a car that can go in the water, basically? On or under or both the water. <laughs> it's funny you should mention that. Uh, <laughs> We do actually have a design for a submarine car, uh, like the one from uh, the, the Spy Who Loved Me, uh, the sort of the Lotus that turns into a sub. Um, and I actually, weird, I, I thought that was like the coolest thing I'd seen in a movie. So I actually, ha I actually have that, the, the the ones from the movie. Um, now that one cannot actually transform um, because it has like fins where the wheels are. It's obviously not going to work. Um, but if you make it a bit bigger. Um, then you can actually have a submarine car. Um, it's like technically possible. I think the market for this will be small. Um, <laughs> it's small but enthusiastic. Um, so, but we actually do do have a design for a submarine car. Um, like that would be great. It'd be, it'd be difficult. It would not be. It would be a bit of a distraction, I think. So. But maybe we'll make one as a show car at some point. That'd be, kind of, that'd be really fun. So thank you. Thanks, everyone. So you can see why normally I clip out the question and just set it up real quick and give you Elon's response or whomever from Tesla's response. But I played the person asking that question because Elon's response really needed the context of it. Uh, that was that was really fun. That was a super fun way to for the event to end. And and again, don't take that as a joke. That's the thing with Elon. If you've been following him for any length of time, you know that the things he says that sound like they must be jokes are often not jokes at all, and they often come to fruition. So that was the shareholder meeting. The only other thing I wanted to cover off on this week, uh, the only really other big item of significance was, in fact, as I mentioned at the top of the show, Elon Musk attending E3. That panel with Bethesda Game Studios director Todd Howard, uh, hosted by Jeff Keighley. They talked about games as, as they pertain to technology like AI. So this thing, it was mostly game-related stuff. I mean, after all, that's the venue. It's E3. It's a video game event. So, you know, I feel like the I don't really need to go into all the game stuff here. I, this podcast, you know, I, I focus very purposefully on the cars. That's that's my interest. So obviously video games are also my interest. So I would simply encourage you to go watch the whole thing. You can find it on youtube.com slash gameslice. That's Jeff Keeley's channel. But here are a couple of Tesla-specific clips from the event. The first one here is Todd Howard from Bethesda announcing another game coming to the Tesla cars. We, um, we talked about that and we said, hey, would it be pretty cool? Um, so we are, we're actually working together. Skyrim on it, that's a little... Uh, um, we're gonna start a little smaller. So we are, we are uh, working on Fallout Shelter for the cars, yeah. Okay. So it'll be free and you'll have your little, your little dwellers on the screen, like they live in the car. Uh -huh in some way, so, so it's a great starting point. 
So there it is, yet another higher profile game coming to your Tesla soon. You of course heard about Cuphead and Dune Buggy, whose full name uh, I learned at this event is in fact Beach Buggy Racing 2, which uh, if you're curious, they showed a little quick clip of it at this, uh, at this event. It is a very fun looking arcadey racing game that uses the steering wheel and the pedals of the real car to control your on-screen car, just like the Tesla version of Pole Position did before Tesla had to delete it from all of our cars for licensing reasons. But yeah, look up Fallout Shelter if you get a chance. It is, uh, it's a pretty fun game. And here's one other clip from Elon at E3, uh, and this is talking about what the neural net uh, activity is at Tesla, what, what they're focusing on with the autopilot neural net right now. Actually, at Tesla, we, we have a wholesome team uh, that uh, tries to create a, a photorealistic uh, world. And we're, we're trying to be photorealistic about, like, actually the most boring things, like skid marks on the road and, and like, cur concrete curbs, uh, shadows, uh, faded lines. On this, like, the reason self-driving is hard is because you have all these corner cases and things where the, the road should be a certain way, but it isn't. Like there should be patent, painted lines, but there aren't painted lines, uh, and they or they, they took the painted lines away, and then there's a skid mark that's offset from the painted lines, so that will cause the car, if it just listens yeah. to the lines, to crash into stuff. If you had, if you had clearly painted lines um, and could count on them, self-driving would be trivial. Like just a piece of cake. Um, but, but the world is just filled with all these things that are not the way they're supposed to be. Um, and then the, the real tr trick with the, the self-driving driving AI is to figure out what, what is the, where, where should I be on this road that has no painted lines or the lines have been painted wrong yeah. uh, and it's got you know, skid marks and scratches and road work and uh, all sorts of things that are, that are unexpected. That's, yeah. that's, this, but that's the really hard part, otherwise it'd be child's play. Um, so yeah. That's, we do a lot of a lot of sim at, at Tesla, um, and, um, and we have found a good good correlation. It's like, does the car draw, drive off the cliff in sim? Yes. Does it drive off the cliff in reality? Uh, well, we got close. Uh, <laughs> I think you said it once. I like it's not the lines. It's it's looking for drivable space is more important than the markings in real life because that's how your mind's actually working. Yeah. Even if there's a lane. You can't, mm -hmm. there's someone there. Like, it's more drivable space that's the, the problem. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, actually, we recently found that we, we, we need, uh, we, we have like pretty good recognition of lines um, and, and, and what's, what's technically drivable space, but, but we actually need what is road and as opposed to what is, like, what, what, is, what is the most probably the road as opposed to drivable space and what is, and then, and then a whole subset on curbs. We're really into curbs right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> some curves are really subtle, um, and uh, some of you should care about, some you shouldn't care about. You know, sometimes you go into a driveway and it's got a little curb, and then the car's like, oh, curb, can't go over that. Um, <laughs> you know, or, or it's like operating on drive space, going through like a neighborhood, and then everyone's driveway is drive space. <laughs> Technically true, but you don't want to go, go through everyone's driveway. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> So most of that is probably pretty familiar to those of you who've been following all things Tesla and all things Elon for a little while, but the stuff at the end about driveways and curbs, I thought that was pretty interesting and worth playing. Oh, and he also mentioned shadows. 
You know, I know a lot of people, including myself, have experienced the occasional phantom braking on the freeway when you go under, you know, a certain overpass at the right moment of the day with the lighting just right and the car just slows down suddenly and it's super freaky. So it sounds like Tesla is is absolutely looking at that. Again, uh, I'll give one more plug to to this because Jeff Keeley did a, an amazing job putting this together, and and it was a really fun event to to be at, and it's it's fun to watch too and listen to. So, if you're interested in video games at all, this is a this was really good. Check it out at YouTube.com/slash GameSlice. And with that, I will be right back with your phone calls in the Ride the Lightning Hotline right after this. Well, enough of me. Let's hear from you guys. It is your time to shine right here in the Ride the Lightning hotline portion of the podcast where you can call in anytime, day or night, with your Tesla questions, comments, or discussion topics. There are two easy ways to do that. I, I welcome and invite your participation. You can either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, Record a question. Please try to keep it to a minute and a half, 90 seconds or less, and you can email that file over to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can call up anytime on the toll-free Ride the Lightning hotline. You dial in, and all you're doing is leaving a message. And same thing, 90 seconds or less would be super appreciated, so I can get to as many calls as possible. And that toll-free number is one 989 8752. That's 1 989 TSLA. And I remind you that if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put them onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. Kicking it off with Tony in Buffalo, Minnesota who uh, has a proper explanation for the whole uh, rear seat emergency release latch or lack thereof in the back of the Model 3. Hi, Ryan. This is Tony from Buffalo, Minnesota. And I believe I have an explanation as to why there are no emergency latches in the rear seats of a Model 3. I'm a police officer, and as part of my job, I perform traffic crash investigations and I do child passenger safety seat inspections. I've heard this complaint about Model 3s over and over, and it has driven me absolutely crazy, and I've finally decided to call in and say something about it. In all vehicles in North America, they are required to have a switch on the inner frame of the door right near the latch that actually physically holds the door shut. This switch disengages the handle on the inside of the door, rendering it inoperable for anybody who is in the rear seat. This is a safety feature so that parents can have the peace of mind knowing that their children cannot open the door while the vehicle is in motion. I believe that the regulation requiring the switch is what is preventing Tesla from putting the emergency latch in the back seats of the Model 3s. If the emergency latch were in place, children would be able to pull that at any time and open the door while the vehicle is in motion, and this would be an obvious safety hazard. Since whenever there's children in the vehicle and it's in motion, there is always an adult present, they would 
be able to tend to the children in the event of an emergency. Thanks, Ryan. Tony, I sincerely appreciate your professional perspective on this. Thanks for calling in. Also, a quick shout out to Kaz from Long Beach, who also called in about this and and made what I thought is a helpful suggestion to anybody that's concerned about this, that you can go on Amazon, so says Kaz, and type in emergency rescue escape tool and pick up a a seatbelt cutter and a window breaker that you could keep in your center console just in case of an emergency and a power failure, you know, if you found yourself in that very unlikely catastrophic situation. And then one more shout out, a lot of people responded to this, uh, Longtime listener, first time caller, Chuck from Toronto called and offered some, some similar advice. Tony beat everybody to it, so playing his call there, but thanks to everybody on that one. Next up is DJ from Los Angeles with a couple questions for me. Take it away, DJ. Was that into the Ride the Lighting podcast? Um, calling in, this is DJ from LA. Um, two questions for you, Ryan, or your audience. Um, number one is uh, had an issue. We got a 2017 Model S with uh, white, white vegan leather seats, and um, we had a baby right when we got the car, and the car seat was really big, and it just kept rubbing against um, the back of back of the driver's seat and wound up um, like kind of tearing through it and making like a small little hole. So number one question is uh, what does anybody know as far as um, repairing that? Like how do you how do you fix that? You can't. And then the second thing is uh, we want to change out the rims. Um, it's the stock rims right now. I want to switch to something else. But I'm wondering is there a, um, this is a 19 inch stock rims that we have on this Model S. So I'm wondering, is there a um, efficiency drop? You know what I mean? Like I know the, you know, the Model 3 aero wheels are super efficient. I don't know what that is, how that works with the Model S though. So if you or anyone knows, answer to any of those things, I'll really appreciate it. Good times. Enjoy the podcast every week. More later. Thanks for calling in, DJ. I can for sure help you on your second question. So on the Model S 19-inch wheels, those are actually designed for maximum efficiency. So the Model S, back in the early days, used to have a different style of 19-inch wheel. And when Tesla introduced the Slipstream wheel, that's the name of it, that's the new 19-inch wheel that you should have on a 2017 Model S, Tesla designed those to look pretty good, but also be really, really efficient. Tesla, I forget it was if it was Elon or JB that commented on those at some point. This is a while ago now, but uh, your your call reminded me of it. But anyway, um, the fact is, just about anything that you're going to swap out to uh, on your car, other than those slipstream wheels is going to suffer a bit of a range penalty. It won't necessarily be a lot, though it could be, depending on the uh, how big and what style of a wheel you go with. Now, as for the unfortunate situation with your seat, I asked my friend Jeff at Immaculate Reflections, he's, you know, my detailer, and he said that he, he doesn't think that a detailer could do anything with it. And he was even hesitant. He said, I'm not even sure an upholstery place could repair it given the, the, the material, you know, it's not leather, it's the synthetic as you know. So 
you know, hopefully you might have to get an entire new seat cover for that. Not the whole seat, but just the the cover, you know, the, the synthetic material, the white the white vegan material, you know, depending on the extent of the damage. But I hate to be the bearer of bad news. I would certainly try to find an automotive upholsterer and get their opinion on it. And I guess, yeah, worst case is you'd want to have that person, uh, if not Tesla themselves, depending who's cheaper, I guess, because it probably wouldn't be a warranty situation, install a, a new, you know, a new piece of material on that seat. Adam from Olympia, Washington, a Model 3 owner, is up next, but has a a criticism that I wonder how many people might be uh, sharing with him at this point in time. Adam, go ahead. Hey, Ryan. This is Adam in Olympia, Washington. I'm a Model 3 owner and have been listening to you for quite some time, both uh, both on your video game side and then obviously on the Tesla side. Uh, absolutely love my car. What I'm calling in about, though, is except the emergency lane departure avoidance notification that's just come up. A couple of suggestions maybe on the Tesla side. Number one, it'd be great as an owner if I could just permanently disable it, except for when I want it. And the reason I say that is I tend to live out in a pretty rural area and there'll be bike riders around or I'll have stop merge lanes into entrances. And what I find is that it's a little bit of a safety hazard for me. If I'm going around a bicyclist, for example, and I just slowly drift away to the side, the car will auto pull me back into them. Same thing if I'm merging my way off of a rural road, even if I'm using my blinker sometimes, which is kind of weird, uh, the car will go ahead and pull me back into the main road, even though I'm exiting to go into my home neighborhood. <laughs> I think all in all, if it was possible just to keep it permanently disabled, except for when I'm on a highway around a bunch of other cars, that would be great. would love to hear your thoughts. Thanks. Adam, thank you for your call. You are not the first person to have a very reasonable real-world complaint against the current functionality of this safety feature. And I'll tell you, you do present a very good case. I can picture exactly what you're talking about with regard to avoiding cyclists in a safe way. And I've heard and read enough now that it seems like Tesla does need to take some kind of corrective action on this feature, whether it is giving the option to keep it off, unless you specifically say you want it, as you suggest, or tweaking the feature's behavior in general, or maybe both. I actually encountered this. It's, it's funny that uh, this, this kind of worked out. I'd listened to your call earlier in the week, and I'd, I'd yet to experience anything, any sort of anomaly with that feature. Then again, I guess I didn't have my car all week being in L.A., but uh, just today I encountered it in the same spot uh, twice. So I, I went to, so I can, I think I can repeat uh, a situation, and it's, it's just, the, the spot where it got me should not, it should not uh, send alarm bells ringing. So I can definitely relate to you on this one. Thanks for the call, Adam. Eric from Ridgecrest is up next with a comment on the rumors of the Model X redesign specifically. Eric, you're on the air. Hey, Ryan, it's Eric and Ridgecrest. Got a comment about the Model X exterior refresh. Um, one reason why they could be doing this is that if you eliminate the Falcon wing doors, you could save complexity, cost, build quality issues on doors that are debatably functionally better than a regular door. Um, then one reason I'm kind of doubtful about this uh, exterior refresh is that Elon mentioned in the interview that the long lead item for the Model Y is the, the 
dies for the stamps to make parts for the Model Y. Um, so unless they've been working on this Model X for a while, which they definitely possibly could have been, um, they're not going to have those ready by September if the long leads um, are these dies to make those panels. So um, I'd like to hear your thoughts. Bye. Thanks for calling in, Eric. You know, I know the Falcon wing doors are controversial, but I really, really don't think they're going to go anywhere for the foreseeable future, if ever, on the Model X, uh, especially now with the Model Y on the way. Because the, the Falcon wings are one of, if not the signature feature on the car. And a ton of engineering effort went into them, and a lot of people do love them, particularly, seemingly, the that they have a high favorability rating with parents who have kids in car seats. But uh, you are right about the long lead manufacturing items. That's that's definitely a good point. But yeah, I just don't see the Falcon wings going away anytime soon, for better or for worse. Uh, Antenor from Las Vegas, a longtime listener, first-time caller, also wanted to chime in on the rumors of the SNX redesign. Hi, Ryan. This is Antenor from Las Vegas. Um, I am a longtime listener and a first-time caller. I am. I just have a question with in regards of your 201 episode. You know, you're talking about um, the Model S and the Model X refresh. And I am going to order my Model X in December, so I'm really excited about that. Um, but I just had a bit of a question because... If the refresh happens the way uh, you're talking about it and they change the landscape of the, the screen and all that stuff, do you think it would still have the old layout available? Because I actually prefer, maybe on the Model X and S, I prefer um, not the landscape, more the portrait um, part of the screen. So I was just wondering if, uh, do you think that option would still be available. Um, thank you very much. I appreciate you do really good, good work with your podcast. Very informative. Um, thank you very much. I'll talk to you soon. Antonor, hello, and welcome to the podcast. Uh, you know, I'm not quite sure whether you're referring to software or hardware here, meaning that if the redesign does put a landscape-oriented touchscreen in the car, you'd still be able that you're thinking you'd still be able to order it with a portrait mode screen or if you're asking if Tesla would offer a portrait view on the landscape screen as a software solution but honestly either way i would i would really bet the farm that the answer is going to be no to either of those scenarios cuz once tesla switches if they do they are not going to want to have two different interiors on SNX, each with a totally different screen orientation. And uh, I, in, as far as the software solution goes, I doubt that would work just because a lot of stuff would then become too small on the screen to properly utilize it. It would, might at that point become a safety issue with the controls of the car, I think. So I don't know for sure, of course, since I don't have any inside information from Tesla, but this one I feel pretty strongly about. Next... A couple of responses to Pete from episode 201 just last week about, uh, you know, Pete was super interested in a Tesla, but he does a lot of business with in his car while on the road doing voice text messages and really being able to, to do uh, stuff hands-free that way. And 
Tesla does not have a, a built-in solution for that. So here are a couple of uh, suggestions. I'm going to play these just in a row. Chris from Philly has, I think, a constructive solution. And then uh, another caller, I believe it's Shaz. I couldn't quite make it out. If I got that wrong, I sincerely apologize. From Los Angeles, also with a response. And then, uh, and then we'll keep moving from there. Hi, Ryan. This is Chris from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I wanted to call in with a response to Pete from episode 201 on the integration of uh, utilizing or reading messages from your iPhone while driving a Tesla. I understand that the Apple CarPlay app, which I had previously in my Audi, is a wonderful thing to have. And my workaround for my Model S is to integrate the built-in iPhone setting of Hey Siri. Once it's set up and I receive a text message, I just say out loud, Hey Siri, read my new messages. And while Siri is not perfect, she does read the message out loud and give you a chance to respond. I use that for integration in my current business activities on a regular basis. Just thought I could throw that out there and hope it helps. Thanks very much. Hey, Ryan, this is Shaz from Los Angeles. Uh, in response to the gentleman who was asking about viewing text messages on a uh, Tesla uh, system, um, I found a way, and that's using the web browser that is included, at least in my Model S. And I'm an Android user, and uh, messages.google.com com shows me all my text messages and when a new one arrives just pops up on that same screen i thought that you can pass this on to the community thanks for your hard work bye-bye i think those were both super helpful thanks to both of you pete i don't know if that will quite do uh, enough for you to convince you to to go ahead and go with the tesla you know i'm not quite sure what your exact needs might be but Consider those thoughts from your fellow listeners, and and maybe it uh, will prove useful to you. Brad from Minnesota is up next with a, a story of a negative experience with Tesla customer service. Brad, go ahead. What's happening? Hey, Ryan. This is Brad from Minnesota. I had a friend who bought a standard plus Model 3 from the Tesla store in Salt Lake City, Utah. She had a few problems with it, which was disappointing to hear. She bought her car, and now she's almost going to return it. She didn't have a good experience with the sales team and basically left without uh, a really good overview of the car, which is unfortunate. But I'm finding through her that, number one, the Tesla Model 3 Standard Plus does not have even basic floor mats. Number two, it doesn't have the capability to link to your garage door opener through HomeLink, and it's a $300 add-on or a retrofit if you want to connect your Model 3 to your garage door opener. And number three... I'm actually having a difficult time finding out if the Standard Plus is even capable of receiving premium connectivity, which I thought, of course, every Tesla owner would have the ability to do from Model S, X, 3, or whatever. But now I've even called another Tesla store, and they were not able to immediately tell me if the Standard Model 3 is even able to purchase premium connectivity. So now I'm confused and a little worried for my friend. Anyway, thanks so much. Take care. Brad, these are totally fair concerns and criticisms. 
Tesla's product, in my opinion anyway, is so good that they can probably often get away with poor communications and maybe some poor customer service experiences, more so than other car companies can, but that certainly doesn't mean that they should get away with that stuff. Yeah, I think the lack of floor mats seems silly. Certainly it does. But okay, Elon has said that a penny here and a penny there across 10,000 parts in the car adds up to be rather significant. All right, I grant that. But I don't believe that Tesla does a good job of informing the customer of something like that. It's such an easy thing to head off at the pass. Same thing with Homelink, honestly. Uh, and But in a bit of good news, I'm hoping I can make this call a bit constructive, you can tell your friend that the Homelink is available uh, for standard range plus cars. It's a $300 add-on if you order it anytime from the online Tesla store, shop.tesla.com. And that price includes a Tesla service person coming out to install it for you. The front fascia of the car has to come off. I've seen pictures of it done. So they come out, they do the whole thing for you. Unfortunately, I have no answers on premium connectivity right now. Last I had heard, standard range plus owners would be able to pay for it if they wanted to, but no word yet from Tesla on when that will be possible. So Brad, I hope that helps at least a little bit. Joey from the Bay Area is up next with an age-old question that uh, <laughs> occurs, I think, to a lot of people who start to keep an eye on Tesla and, and how fast they move. Go ahead, Joey. Hey, Ryan, this is Joey calling from the Bay Area. Love the show. Hey, um, so I am currently looking at Teslas as my next car, but my current car has low mileage and it's almost already paid for. So I'm wondering, you know, when is the best time to buy a new Tesla? Is it right now? Is it a couple years from now when everything's more just set up? Um, I always make bad decisions. Like I bought the iPod color two days before the iPod video came out and I would hate to make, you know, a similar decision with the Tesla. So, uh, any thoughts would be gratefully appreciated. Have a great day. Hey, Joey. So, of course, your personal financial situation is is certainly not uh, information that I'm privy to, nor is any of my business. But I can speak to your worry of buying at the quote-unquote wrong time. As you know, Tesla doesn't have model years, and they move very, very fast. The cars evolve on a weekly basis, mostly in ways that we can't see and don't affect anything that the that the, the owner can see or, or feel. But um, anyway, th that speed is both good and bad. So what I can tell you is very confidently, no major new autopilot tech is coming anytime soon because the full self-driving computers already going into the new cars and the, the camera and sensor suites are what they are. Those, those are clearly Tesla feels. Those are going to be enough, so I, don't worry about a, any sort of major upgrade in that department. And the Model 3 is almost certainly, all signs point to it remaining relatively unchanged for a while, feature-wise, because Tesla has to continue to focus primarily on production, efficiency, 
and profitability. You heard Elon talk a lot about that stuff in those clips from the shareholder meeting earlier in the show. Now, the S and the X, if you're shopping for one of those, they are the bigger wild cards. Uh, those big changes, if you heard last week's show, could be coming later this year, but they also might not be, and they might be way out on the horizon. So the good news is, either way, you would still be getting a heck of a car right now, uh, in, the, in the case of all three, but as it specifically pertains to the S and the X, since both of those cars just got that big, that not, well, the big, it's, hey, I guess 10% is big, got a big range boost, and the, the new suspension. So, Joey, I hope that helps put your mind at ease a little bit. Two more calls this week. Let's start uh, the penultimate caller, Michael from Taiwan, another longtime listener, first-time caller. Go ahead, Michael. Hi, Ryan. This is Michael from Taiwan, longtime listener, first-time caller. I believe this would be your first Taiwan caller to the show. I run the Tesla Owners Club in Taiwan, and I'm the current owner of two Teslas, uh, Model S, Model X, and a reservation holder for a couple Model 3s. Yes, we don't have the Model 3 yet, even though it's opened up for configuration for the rest of the APAC region. But fortunately, it looks like we should have access to it later this year, according to Elon. Speaking of who, I thoroughly enjoyed episode 200, and I'm glad you finally got to do this with him. And it seems like he enjoyed the interview as well. Hopefully, this is something that you could do with him again in the future, maybe on an annual basis. So I'm calling today because I had a thought I wanted to share and hear your opinion about it. So we know that the V3 supercharger is coming to all parts of the world. Elon touched on this in the shareholders meeting. My thought was, what about the urban superchargers, or the tombstone superchargers, as you like to call them? Wouldn't it make sense to get them upgraded to a version 2? I mean, they already do the dedicated charging like the V3 superchargers. So maybe the current tombstone superchargers at 72 kilowatt could be bumped up to 120 kilowatt? I mean, you would think Tesla is a is always uh, forward-thinking with their tech. And now with the growth of car deliveries, it just makes sense to have shorter charging times and thereby reducing the wait times at charging stations. We'd love to hear what you think. Maybe this is a question someone from the community wants to throw at Elon in a tweet. Thanks again for all you do for the community. And thank you personally for the McCaffrey aluminum pedals. I'm looking forward to getting my getting them on my P3D. Michael, thank you so much for all your kind words. Really, I, I really appreciate that. To your question, yeah, I think it's inevitable that the urban superchargers will improve over time. But the reason that they're slower and, and no doubt cheaper to make and cheaper to deploy in the first place is that they're not for getting you through a road trip. They're made for a much more relaxed charging situation, like if you're shopping or eating. So I'm not sure how much fast, faster Tesla would want to take them, you know, at least in the short term. Plus, as you heard in my interview with Elon uh, two shows ago, they are being very cautious with their spending with regard to superchargers. And I would have to imagine that any upgrades to the urban superchargers would be at the absolute bottom of the supercharger priority list because you've got new V3 superchargers that they want to roll out and then they want to upgrade existing V1 and V2 sites 
to V3. But batteries will get bigger over time too. You know, that we're going to pretty soon, probably 300 miles will be the baseline, you know, in the next five to seven, maybe five to 10 years. And we'll have just 300 mile cars and 400 plus mile range cars. And so, yeah, at that point, it, it would make sense to upgrade the 72 kilowatts because it might be a little uh, insufficient at that point. But anyway, I hope that helps. And I hope the wait for your P3D is short. Thank you again for your call. Finally this week, taking us home is a special call from Denise in Pike Road, Alabama. And if there is a special dad out there who said, wait a second, I'm from Pike Road and I know Denise. Well, Sarah, this one's for you. Hi, this is Denise calling back from Pike Road, Alabama. I just uh, wanted to wish my father a happy Father's Day and mention that I'm trying to get both my older sisters to call in as well because this is his absolute favorite podcast. And he's had a Model 3 since October of this past year, and he absolutely loves listening to your podcast. So I just, um, and whenever my mom and I fall asleep, he always jokes about using this car in dog mode. That way we can take a nice nap and it's the most comfortable car to fall asleep. And anyway, thanks. Have a great day. Bye. Denise, what a sweet call. And by the way, happy Father's Day to your dad. What a, just a nice thing for you to do. Hopefully he's listening to the podcast on Father's Day. You know, I know I put it out there on Sunday mornings, but it's up to people to decide whenever they want to listen to it. I know a lot of people like to save it for their commute during the week, but some people do like to listen to it right on Father's Day. But regardless of what day he hears it, I'm sure he will really, really appreciate that kind and sweet gesture that you made. So happy Father's Day Hey, to, to all the dads out there in my audience. And that will wrap it up. What better way to, to wrap it up here in the Ride the Lightning Hotline? Stick with me for a few more minutes. I'll come right back, tell you about what I've been up to in my car, which I have named the Spirit of Adventure. If you're new, you know, you can, everybody can name their Tesla, and I chose the Spirit of Adventure for the name of my car. So talk a little bit about that, as well as give you the pro tip of the week from uh, the callers who send those in, and then wrap things up for you right after this. Well, sadly, I was out of town at E3 all week, but I did want to just mention, I know I mentioned the the free J1772 chargers at the new long-term parking garage at SFO, and initially, I think I had tried to do some napkin math on how many chargers were in that place. Well, it's, uh, it's more than I thought, because as I returned to my car after getting back from LA, and I went to the pay station, there was a little sign on there that said, hey, if you've got an electric car, we've got 114 free chargers. So that is really cool. 114, that is just fantastic. So for those of you in the Bay Area, that is worth bearing in mind uh, the next time you travel. But uh, I guess the only other thing I would mention is that this may, this would sound silly to pretty much anybody outside of this podcast, but... Um, Yes, I missed the heck out of my family and out of Daisy, but I'll tell you, I also missed my car. 
I <laughs> wasn't in my car or any Tesla all week long. Although, one quick little cool side note, we hired at IGN, uh, we had an off-site location, sort of we call it a war room, where we basically our mobile base of operations for the week of E3, where we're we're shooting segments, where we're it's sort of a, just a you know mobile HQ. We can do everything there. So we had a ton of game developers come in and film stuff with us, and it's you know it was about a ten minute walk from the convention center where everything's happening. So uh, we actually hired a car service that, unbeknownst to us, shows up, and it is a P100D Model X. A which which was just awesome to see because it had you know they put our logo on it for you know just temporarily speaking which was so cool to see so I took a picture of that and put it on my Instagram which is DMC underscore Ryan if you're curious but that I that was just like that was awesome that made my week that 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 coincidence happened that we happened to hire a car service that uses not just a Model X not just a Tesla not just an X but a P100D like. That's that's just that's almost such overkill for for you know a car service like that. But I love it. I love it. That is fantastic. But yeah, when I got back in my car after getting back uh, from the from the flight landed and I got back to the car, I pull out of the parking garage and it's super late at night. There's no one around. So as soon as I pulled out, I floored it. I just hit the. I slammed the accelerator. Man, it felt good. I just I hadn't been able to do that in a week, and oh yeah, what a great, great feeling that is. I love it. All right, real quick here, the pro tip of the week sent in by you guys. So you send them in the same way that you send in any uh, of the phone calls. So if you've if you've picked up something, you've discovered something, you've learned something interesting about your Tesla that's maybe not super obvious or documented in the manual. You can call in with it and share it with your fellow Ride the Lightning listeners. So this week, it's Tom from Chicago. Go ahead, Tom. Hey, Ryan. It's Tom from Chicago again. I have another pro tip for you. So I've been having some frequent issues with my touchscreen lately, unfortunately. It's just been really laggy and sluggish when trying to do anything like press or swipe. Sometimes the screen will actually just freeze suddenly and perform all the functions I just tried at once. It's just really weird. Uh, So I had a mobile tech come out to rotate my tires recently, and I asked him about it. And he said that you should clear both the navigation address log and trip odometers routinely to free up memory space. So for the address log, if you press the address search bar, you can swipe right or press and hold to delete any of the old addresses you've searched. And I'm sure you know how to reset the trip odometer. Uh, so far, I've done both of these and haven't had any more issues with the lagginess of the touchscreen, so I'm assuming it works. Anyway, hope that helps. Later, dude. Huh, that is interesting, Tom. I have to say I've not experienced either of those, but those are nevertheless useful tips just in case that does happen, either to me or to anyone listening to this. Thanks so much for your call. And what else could I tell you before I go? Uh, Abstract Ocean. A wonderful purveyor of Tesla accessories for you, mostly for your car, though. So the tempered glass screen protectors, the the center console wrap kits, where you can do all kinds of of stuff, whether you want to just go white to match a white interior or a carbon fiber. They got all kinds of patterns and fun stuff. Uh, Lighting kits, all kinds of just browse it, give it a look. 
abstractocean.com. And if you're a first-time customer there, there's a discount code for first-timers, and that code is RTL Podcast. All one word, RTL Podcast. Enter that at checkout to get 15% off of your first order. Meanwhile, Immaculate Reflections is one of the Bay Area's premier detailers. Jeff's taken such great care of me, I, I could not speak more highly of him as both a person and as a car detailing professional. Uh, if you see my car, you can see his handiwork. It is just beautiful. So if you're looking for paint correction, paint protection film, uh, whatever it is you're you're up for, go ahead and look them up, irdetailing.com. Uh, meanwhile, the 1,000 miles of free supercharging is still going. The 5,000 miles is over, but you can still get 1,000 free miles worth of juice if you are buying a new Tesla. So I strongly encourage you, I, I kindly ask you to please try to use anyone else's code but mine. Uh, I'm very lucky to be grandfathered in on the free unlimited supercharging, and I just want to spread that wealth around. I'd rather your friends, family, coworkers get the bonus because each of you gets it. So you get the thousand miles for ordering and they get the thousand miles for referring you. But if I'm the only Tesla person in your life right now, that is okay. Use my code so that just so to make sure you get it. Uh, to do that, type in ts.la slash Ryan73014 into a browser. That'll take you to the Tesla Design Studio. Pick which car you want to buy configure it to your liking, order it, and the order will be placed with that uh, referral code and those 1,000 free supercharging miles baked into it. If you'd like to email me, you can do so anytime. The email address is teslapodcast at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram, same handle both places, DMC underscore Ryan. And, uh, oh, the Jada wireless charging pad for Model 3, I am super stoked about mine. The version 2 that they've got now is just awesome. It is it is P3D proof. So you can slam the accelerator in a Performance Model 3 and the phone does not go sliding out or flying out. And, you know, you can you can also use it in in uh, landscape mode. So if you're a a Waze user, that is handy and it'll so it can charge on the mat while you're using it in ways in landscape mode. So um, I'm super happy with mine. I don't have a discount for that, but full transparency, if you order it through the link that I'm about to give you, the URL, uh, they throw me a few bucks on a referral. So that URL is getjada.com. Jada is spelled J-E-D-A. Getjada.com slash R-E-F slash eight. And finally, I just want to mention my Patreon. Actually, well, one other quick thing. If you're new to the podcast, as I uh, the numbers tell me that plenty of you are, maybe uh, jumping in after the Elon interview, so thanks for giving the podcast a try. A reminder that you can subscribe to the podcast totally for free. You can subscribe to any podcast for free so that anytime there's a new episode, it downloads to you automatically. You don't have to go seek it out every single time there's a new episode. So uh, if you like this podcast, please subscribe. You can do so on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, or YouTube. So any pretty, pretty much all the major podcast services, I'm on there. So give me a look if you do find this podcast useful and enjoyable. 
And to that end, if I uh, have earned your trust or maybe will eventually earn your uh, your trust and respect and, and your support beyond simply listening, which is which is all I ask is that you listen, but I've got a Patreon because, hey, there is a lot of time, especially this week with all those clips, two Elon events to parse through, and it took plus E3. It, it took me a while, but, you know, if you do want to support the podcast, it's totally optional, but uh, I'd certainly appreciate it if you chose to do so. You can support me on Patreon. Find more information about that on my Patreon page, which is patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N patreon.com slash tesla podcast and with that i will mention the group of patreon producers these are the kind folks supporting me at the producer tier such that in addition to early access to each week's episode as well as an extra monthly bonus episode they get their name shouted out each and every week so thank you so much to the patreon producers DJ Harbaugh, Pete White, Wolfgang Obergen, George Cassiopo, David Brander, Jonathan Wales, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Matthew Parra, Michael Lester, Robert Maracle, Jason Chalukas, Joe Edgel, Tim Hyde, Marcus Mayenshine, Lars Hoffman, Lawton from Chicago, Peter Chalet, Rome Strack, David Vakil, Ulrich Lassa, Luke A., Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Gabriel Salaise, Jerry and Mary Smith, Brian Hope, Bill Royko, Lyle Austin, Joel Sapp, Dorian Steve Guberman, Luxendary.com, Michael Waddle, Daniel Grummer, Josh, Jeremy, Jeremy Harris, Tesla Owners Taiwan, Rob Brewer, My Tesla Adventure, Ron Lee, Larry Lynch, Lambert Lee, Chris Knesnick, John Cody, Matthew Wright, Aaron Appleby, and Charlie Gillespie. Thank you all so, so much for your continued support on Patreon. Well, that does it for me and the still-sleeping Daisy the Boxer puppy. She's been zonked out the whole show. Hopefully you haven't been. (laughs) Hopefully you've been awake. Although I've heard from a few people in a very polite way that they will uh, often listen to the show uh, at night and and it'll help them fall asleep. I take no offense to that. I'm happy to be of use in any way, shape, or form possible. But, yeah, I like to say a lot at the end of the show that, you know, I'm just so so grateful that you would give me your time every week because, in my opinion, time is the most valuable commodity that we all have. So, And there are a million free podcasts out there on any topic you could possibly think of. So thank you for, for giving your time and or spending your time with me on this podcast. So happy electric motoring, everybody, and I'll see you back here next week. I mean, I think a Tesla it's the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. <laughs> That's what it's meant to be. Well, our goal is to make it's it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. Mm. Make it's maximum fun.